Eight seconds. Till what? Till I'm going to hit the button. We already hit the button. Oh, I see. Another button. Gotta get those timestamps, bro. Hey everyone, I'm Ryan. And hi, I'm Steve. This is 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, modding, breaking, fixing. I'm wearing the freaking shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The guitar podcast. Yeah. It's a guitar guitar podcast. Don't worry about it. What's the hot buying, selling, training, fixing, money, breaking, reviewing, playing, buying? What's the hot gossip, Steve? Oh man, everyone this week is talking about Revival Electric. This isn't fair. We're doing uh, like new news. We're not doing old yeah, news. Uh, well, we were going to talk about how Ert doesn't know or Erty or whatever guitars doesn't know how to use eBay. <laughs> uh, but that's we really can, old news. We can save that for for next week, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, this revival thing. I gotta say. Revival versus Origin, right? Revival versus Origin. I got to say, first, um, regardless of what happens, I guess, unless Revival decides so uh, to defend themselves to the death, which, you know, maybe they maybe I vote for a duel. I would watch um, that. This this activity, uh, this legal activity is like. Again, uh, you know, assuming that they survive the or he, I think it's only one dude survives the stress of this all uh, is like the best thing to ever happen to his company. Um, <laughs> it's great marketing, that's yeah, for sure. His uh, the the revival electric um, Instagram page has tripled its followers in the last week. Wow, we need to get sued. Seriously, it's not even a lawsuit. Okay, so so first we off, we just need to get like like. What is it? Trademark papers? Yeah. In flux? Like, it's not even a cease and desist. It's like one company is going through, like, a trademarking process. Right, right. What are some things that you think we could trademark? Our own name? Yeah, yeah, you have a point. (laughs) If anyone wants to pretend to be us, I mean, I guess we can't stop them. And we're using a name that's, like, it gets used throughout the industry for a actual thing also who would want to pretend to be us that's not that's a that, that's some kind of weird some know, kind of weirdo i, I look be super for, weird to want to look for to want what we have here i look for 60 cycle hum trademark and there's a bunch of posts on a bunch of different forums how to avoid 60 cycle hum <laughs> how to cancel 60 cycle hum how to eliminate i mean we people do not want us around right uh, that's not what this is about though. So, um, so originally, I mean, I do have a trademark copyright and all the other legal protections on a Ford board. So don't even try, <laughs> right? Don't even right. try. Right. Um, I've got 16 lawyers on retainer for a Ford board. I mean, I think obviously who we need to be going after is the, um, uh, good time or good humor brand. I think we could effectively trademark 50, 50 and steal that away from them. <laughs> Uh, is it, does it, no, I, is, if it we call humor? it the creamsicle, that would be a problem. Oh, okay. Yeah. We can't call it the creamsicle. Um, the 50, so, 50 is fine. So there was a post three days ago, basically saying on revival electrics, basically saying, uh, for the last 12 years as a sole owner operator of revival electric here in the Bay, I've offered amp service and sales of EQ and vocal pedals that I designed. I'm kind of paraphrasing 18 months ago, origin effects blindsided me. Da, 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 da. 
or with legal action after they found out the revival drive pedal was denied for trademark. So the issue there is basically um, that uh, Origin has Origin a pedal effects, called Origin Effects Revival. Ha- right. Origin Effects has a pedal actually called Revival Drive. Apparently, they have another pedal called, uh, I was reading about this on the gear page, called um, the Magma 57. Okay. Uh, that was originally going to be called the Revival Vibe. Like, I somebody said that when you t- open that pedal up, the PCB says Revival Vibe on it. Huh. Um, and I and basically what it sounds like happened is Origin Effects applied their trademark in all of these different countries, got it approved for uh, for Revival Drive. It's amazing that uh, a one word like name like that was still yeah. available anywhere. Like you know how like band names are. Like if you want to name your band with one word, like you can't. There's right. There's fifty bands with that word as their name already. Right. So um, so I guess Origin they got Revival Drive approved as a trademark in like. Some major, some other major markets. So I think like they are from the UK. They got it approved right. in the UK. Uh, I forget where else, but you know other major markets, uh, probably like Japan and Canada. Are they sure. major? Whatever doesn't matter. They applied to the United States, and the the United States uh, trademark whoever is in charge of that uh, said, "Well, there's already a company here called Revival Electric, and they decided that it's too similar." Mm. So then. Um, Basically, it sounds like the original story was that uh, they uh, about again, about 18 months ago, Origin Effects blindsided me with legal action after they found out the Revival Drive pedal was denied for trademark. Instead of reaching out or changing their naming practices, they decided to go after me uh, that they have a team of lawyers. They're doubling down during the peak of the pandemic with more malicious and aggressive claims. Now, I will note we are recording this on June 18th, so it is somewhat ironic to me that a person in San Francisco said that he they were going at post made a post about being targeted at the peak of the pandemic on the day that the California Department of Public Health reopened the state. Right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, maybe that's getting a little poli- borderline. Maybe political. he has different definitions of peak. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, this is all an attempt to help shield. You can go to their Instagram yeah. and read all this. I don't want to get into it. And then he goes, he goes and says, I feel like the community should know about this because the revival drive or I think it's the custom ghost revival drive is a $700 dirt pedal. Right. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's got I like have, 16 yeah. knobs. Basically, I mean, when you think about the number of knobs it has, we're talking knob to dollar ratio a, here. It's a great, uh, great product. Um, <laughs> we but, don't, I would just want to say we don't have any relationship past or present with either of these brands i've never talked to either of them no no they they none of them would i don't have i've never looked at either of them and been like oh i'm interested in this either like i like i think i've seen the origin pedals around yeah as when i looked them up i was like oh those guys but i've never like thought about them or looked into them right well friend of the show well maybe not friend of the show enemy of of the show friend of us uh casey babcock Mm -hmm. um has a bunch of them. Oh, does he? So that's prop. That might be one of the places you've seen it. Maybe. Um. So, uh. So this whole thing happens three days ago, and like the internet is rallying around right. this thing. Yeah. It is. Da- this is David and Goliath. Except really, it's kind of like David and David's big brother. It's like, like, Origin Effects. I guess they're maybe they sell at Sweetwater, so that makes them Goliath esque. It's in comparison. It's small Bert. 
it's small builder versus bigger builder right. within this scene. But every, I, I'm telling you this, guys, every single pedal builder is a small builder compared to the vast majority of industries in this world. Right. Like well, bo boss pedals is a couple dozen people. Right. So, I mean, um, the, I guess that the angle on this is, you know, as kind of already stated, revival electric is a one man shop and origin effects is 11 times bigger than because it's revival electric. 11 people. Cause there's 11 people. Right. Um, you know, they're a, a company that came on the scene a few years ago Da, 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 da. Which is probably about um, the size of like Strymon or something like that. It's probably smaller than I think. That's actually I think feel like Strymon is probably bigger than that. You think so? Point. I don't I, think I it, have no idea. I'm under the impression that it's not much bigger. No, I would probably I would guess Strymon maybe has upwards of twenty people. Interesting. I don't know why I think that. These are all guesses from Steve and from me. Yeah. Um. So. Anyway, the internet just rushes. This is a David and Goliath. There's all these comments on Revival Electric, like, you know, F origin effects. I, I wanted to buy it. They're Cali. They're really known for their Cali compressor. Right, right. Um, da, 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 you know, screw those guys. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, white. The, interestingly, there was a lot of um, comments that were like, why can't they be more like JHS <laughs> and support the industry? Oh, my God. Support the industry. And I was just like, it's just like three days. I'm just sitting there going like something about this seems a little off. It's, it is a lot of people looking for drama and flying off the handle, yeah, picking yeah. sides and turning it into a storyline that probably isn't even really there. And it, like, this is, this is a common thing. Like people, like these companies trying to figure out their trademarks and figuring out what names they can claim and not claim and going through legal processes to do them is extremely common in this industry and all sorts of other industries. Um, my, my personal hot take is that, uh, what's his name? The first guy, the small mm -hmm. guy, it kind of sucks that he went and aired his dirty laundry this way. Right. Not his well, he, dirty. No, I'm not saying it's, it's his dirty laundry, but it's like he's he's a small builder. Right. He absolutely is. It sounds like he hasn't been up on his business being like consistent, and he hasn't been up on his trademarks. And Origin looked at it, and they're like, "This company's kind of in and out." of existence like we're going to go through our legal process that anyone can do yeah to yeah. explore obtaining this trademark like it's not i don't when i'm looking at it i'm like this is normal business this isn't malicious this isn't like some sort of like cold-hearted like lawyers only involved sort of attack. This isn't a Gibson style mm -hmm, attack mm -hmm. on a small business. So, you know, do, do this you, is just normal business. So 18 months ago was approximately watch. We're going to, by the time this episode comes out, it's some gonna awful thing is going to come yeah. out and we're going to be proved to be totally wrong. Everyone's going to be like, wow, Ryan and Steve backed this awful business. I, you know, it could be, it could be awful. I, I did kind of did before I even read before origin even released their statement. I kind of like poked around at some things. The guy said that, you know, 18 months ago he was hit with this thing. So that would have been actually, when you look at the documents, I think it was like November 
Okay. 2019. Well, that would be the peak of the pandemic. Uh, yeah. So I go to this, I go to the revival Instagram. I am scrolling. I'm scrolling back to fairly, you know, consistent posting like one or two posts a month back until November 26, 2019. And then before that, the most recent post was July 1st, 2018. Mm. So there is in 2018, 2019, a about 14 month gap in posting. You go back some more, you go back some more. And from May 9th, 2018, all the way back to June, 2017, which is about 11 months, there's another gap. Right. So I can kind of understand when he says like, when like based off their social media, this company barely exists. Yeah. When origin says, Hey, we reached out and could not get a response. It's seen. And we looked at the website and different social media outlets and they all kind of look not in use or maybe no longer being used as a business. Right. Um, so then I went and, you know, revi- uh, origin finally made their response today, earlier today. Right. I think people who have seen it, um, it at least provides a lot of balance. A lot of people still think origins wrong because they think, well, people, you know, you guys weren't there first, so you should just back off, back off. But, uh, what's kind of interesting is origin is now claiming that the reason that they went this route is because they reached out, couldn't get a response. So then they, uh, so then what they did is they, after they couldn't get a response, they filed for trademark cancellation. Which is basically saying like, uh, you. It's kind of like this is derelict. We want to. Yeah, it's kind of like investigate. Uh, it's kind of like the over. whole thing where like a company says like, it's it's like guitar design where if you don't defend something that you consider a key component of your design, you lose it. Right. So they're saying like, look, like we've tried to contact this person, we've got no response, so we can't negotiate with them. So we're just assuming this business is closed, and we would like for the U.S. government to look into it. They origin then claims that this escalated beyond our control when revival demanded royalty fees on all sales of revival products, uh, that we were unable to meet. So that would have been like, again, like all revival drives. Some people interpret that as being like, not just future sales, but all us sales. Right. So pedals that had already sold during this year and a half. We don't know. So we We don't know. Can't speculate. So Um, who knows? I mean, we can't speculate, but we absolutely can speculate. He wants, I'm going to speculate that he wanted to be paid up front for a hundred years worth of pedal sales based on their peak year. Now, the other, other thing here that is put out there and I don't know, I don't think he actually did. I don't know that revival ever uses the word. Um, he said that he, I guess revival said they were blindsided with legal action, which of course a lot of people, um, uh, have said, oh, and said, help shield them. In my opinion, this is all an attempt to help shield them from potential lawsuits since they are illegally using Revival, which infringes on my registered trademark. Which is interesting that a guy who's basically saying they're trying to murder, they're trying to like kill my business with legal fees is also saying that, but if they continue to use this name, I'm going to sue the hell out of them. Uh, but Origin has basically said, or come back in their statement, I know you're getting bored. Uh, well, it's uh, just all, it's, it's also a, stupid. It's, it's goofy because it's the two sides, but like origins basically said like, look, we're not suing anybody. We're going through the, like the United States legal process for attaining a copyright. Right. And we're not doing anything malicious. We're not trying to close this guy's business. We're just trying to like figure things out. 
Now the the thing that I find really what interesting. What we have is one one side acting like a business going through, you know, the legal process, and we have the other party acting as a sole individual, which they are. Yeah, acting like a yeah. sole individual that's going, hey, what the hell? Where the other side is a group of people that are a business going, like, we are going through the process. And yeah. so that is the yeah. back and forth here. And it's easy to pick what feels like the underdog. But it in my from my perspective, it's like this is just normal business. It's gonna they're gonna figure it out, they're gonna shake out the situation. And like it's not worth picking sides over. Like they're gonna figure it out, guys. Uh, what, Don't worry. So what really cracked me up in the whole thing is is somewhere uh, I found one of the legal, the actual like things that was submitted to court as yeah. evidence. Uh, the basically um, re- revivals lawyers have tried to get some of the things dismissed as frivolous and whatever. Uh, but Origin is basically one of the things they're trying to do to get the trademark canceled. Um, at at this point, is now they're saying that the trademark was filed under false pretenses. Okay, because the trademark says that the trademark is for uh, electronic effects pedals sold for use with sound amplifiers. Um, it actually said uh, electronic effects pedals sold for use with sound amplifiers, uh, and then it said semicolon. Uh, Guitar amplifiers, and they've never sold guitar amplifiers, but they filed a trademark for guitar amplifiers. Uh, and then, so in this thing, it says, with respect to the other product, electronic effects pedals sold for use as sound amplifiers. Though respondent now claims two sales in 2009, in its brief to, in opposition, the evidence provided was for one sale of a pedal to the company owner's father in 2009. Only one sale occurred, basically saying like this guy made a pedal, sold it to his dad and say, cool, I had one sale. I'm starting a company now. I need to trademark this. And they go through and basically break down this whole thing, saying that when this person applied for a company, uh, a trademark to trademark this company, that they weren't actually a company. And so they couldn't legally apply for a trademark. It's all so murky. It's so and dumb, boring, but it's, and it's stupid. I think I think it's funny. Maybe I've just watched too much Law and Order. It is Law and Order trademark victims unit. Oh my gosh! <laughs> somebody, somebody. If did I was say, the like, little, is this like Dumble or Clon though? Like nobody's gonna try to steal the Dumble trademark or the. Clon trademark and you know Bill Finnegan only makes like 10 pedals a year right he also sells every single one of those for like four thousand dollars yeah I think you could prove that Finnegan's in business yeah um and that he has a fully recognizable name where I've barely heard of origin and I definitely hadn't heard of the other guy Kent his name is the name of his company is revival yeah I don't know why I keep forgetting that <laughs> that's the whole thing that they're fighting over the name revival I think uh, I think somebody else went through and broke it down that like over the course from like 2011 to 2020, um, I want to say the total number of pedals sold was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 12 a year. Right. So, you know, even if you were to say 20 a year, that's like 180 pedals. I think we've sold more pedals than that. We, I probably sell more used pedals than that in a year. I'm saying like we've probably <laughs> sold like more I, I forget. Is there 150 or 250 50s out there? No, I think there's like 125. 
Yeah, anyway. Yeah. We've sold just about as many as this company in way less time. We should register 60 Cycle Hum as a pedal company. Oh, my gosh. And then someone can... Then the moment we register as a pedal company, then someone will try to come and steal the name. As soon as we register as a pedal company, we can sue every company that says that their pedal eliminates 60 Cycle Hum. Be like, how dare you try to cancel our trademark with your pedal? That cancels us, apparently. And if we were going to make a pedal, a 60 Cycle Hum pedal, it would enhance 60 Cycle Hum. How dare you? Yeah. Wait, is that what your is that what our pedal does? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it isn't a double overdrive. You're gonna definitely enhance your sixty cycle hum if you turn both sides on. Enhance, 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 enhance. So I don't know. Whatever you guys think about the situation is fine. From my perspective, we're not lawyers. We're not lawyers. From my perspective, is like no one should actually care about this outside the people that are personally involved. Right. It's gonna get worked out. If the guy who owns the Revival trademark cares enough about his business, he's going to track down the finances to defend his trademark. That's part of being in business. Yeah. And unfortunately, money usually wins. So, right. I, I think, you know, that I think to me, the biggest takeaway here is this is really being framed as, you know, successful company. You know, like I said at the beginning, like this is being framed as like David versus Goliath when it's kind of more like, David versus David's brother. <laughs> Does David have a brother? I don't know. I he probably had a brother. He had a bunch of brothers. Didn't he have a, he had like, he had a bunch of brothers. What I mean, I don't know about? anything about this revival company. I don't, I don't think origin was ever at risk of revival coming after them. No, probably not. They could have waited a couple of years and the whole company might've just petered out like, or just be in and out of existence for, well, Who I mean, they've been, they've been in existence for a long time. It Maybe seems like, it seems, sounds like kind of like if Moe's, if like Moe's right. had a pedal, a, a pedal line and they made it for a few years. Because it's a shop. And, and then it's yeah, a repair shop. It kind of seems like this guy's running a repair shop. Right. Um, and the guy, if, if you're watching right now, guy from Revival. Or um, guys, guy, guys from Origin. Sure. If you're watching right now, I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you're doing good business. I Oh, that's what you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know anything about you, really. I don't know how much product you sell. Like, there's a lot of speculation out there. I hope that if you're in the right, that you win this battle over your trademark. I hope that... If you're wrong, you rot in jail. <laughs> Just no, kidding. I hope that, like... You know, if you're not active with this, well, you're not sincerely active with this product or this trademark name, then you'll realize that like maybe it's not worth the drama. Maybe it's not worth the fight. You know, they're pedals. Like, let's not get so uptight about freaking names and stuff. There should be a law that says you can't trademark a pedal name. <laughs> yeah. Well, at this point you can, you should just be able to call whatever you want to. And, and I know somebody said, so I did see somewhere like the claim being made that, uh, rev, that origin effects put revival amps out of business like seven years ago. Well, I haven't actually seen that corroborated anywhere. Um, so, you know, some people think are say, trying to put it out there like, Oh, re- like origin effects just thinks they own the word revival in the, in the pedal space. And, you know, I, I haven't seen that. I haven't looked super hard. I, I've, again, I've, I've seen the two statements on Instagram and I've read like one legal document. Right. 
I'm not. I mean, there are companies out there that are over overly litigious with their IP, like monster cables. Oh my God. And monster energy drinks are famous for going after anything that uses the word monster, which is stupid. You can't do that. Like when you try to trademark names that are in the common vernacular, like it just, it makes you look awful. And I think there's an element of that to this. It's like, you want to own the word revival like, what are you going to go after every church that has a revival service? Right. You know, well, like, they just want it in the pedal space. They, right. they want that to be. I think it's different when it is industry specific. It's not like yeah. monster cables going after someone who makes, you know, a, a plush monster toy or something like right. that. You know? No, I mean, at its core, Origin is saying we want to make it. We have a pedal called the Revival Drive and we want to be the only company who is selling the Revival Drive in the United States. And the United States said, well, there's a company called Revival Electric who doesn't even make a pedal called the Revival right. Drive. But, you know. I think it's fair to assume uh, that there's no, there's not going to be any product confusion. Clearly, the biggest issue here is that the U.S. Pat, or the U.S. trademark office needs to have some freaking guitarists. Get a guitar boy in there. Yeah. Steve, be, I think you should put in for the job. Be like, hey. Hey, uh, you guys, uh, would you guys ever confuse like the Origin Effects Revival Drive with the uh, this uh, Revival Electric whatever? Yeah. Like imagine if Boss, back when they started, they uh, they like somehow managed to trademark the word distortion. <laughs> They're like, the DS1 distortion. We want to trademark DS1 and distortion. And then every other company was like, uh, yeah, we have this, uh, we have this new pedal. It's, uh, it's, I don't know, whatever new pedal, the MXR distortion three. Probably. And also it's like the, the idea that people have that a trademark claim puts another company out of business. That's not how it works. Like when, when, uh, rose petals, no, when, uh, when spiral effects, started oh, yeah. we, they were they were starting under the name rose petals it's tom mm-hmm, cran's company mm-hmm. it's what he was starting right after uh leaving digitech dod because samsung yeah. sucks um but anyways he started the company called rose petals and then eventide was like oh hold on there buddy we've got a trademark for rose petal because we have a product coming out that's been in the works yeah for a yeah. year like this happened in between countless companies in the short time that we've been involved in this industry, like six or seven years. Like we've seen this happen multiple times behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. It's honestly not the huge deal. It's being made out to be with this social media fiasco. And I think that's where my kind of just dismissiveness of this comes from. It's like, we've seen this happen before. It is not this huge deal that it's being made out to be like, Everyone needs to relax. Yeah. This is, this is different than Gibson going after every single small guitar builder that makes something resembling a single cut. Like that, this is a different thing. It's a fight over a name. It's not, they're not saying, Oh, your, your circuit design is canceled. Oh, the whole premise of your business is canceled. Oh, we're going to take over your business. It's not that it's not that it's a fight over the use of a word. It was also kind of put out like I've seen some state uh, the some statement that oh it's actually here's another one right here uh, Jackson Audio has a pedal called called the Asabi 
uh-huh. it's the, uh, I think it's the Mateus Asado signature pedal. Uh, that was originally called El Guapo. Right, right. Uh, but El Guapo was, uh, I think, a Mojo Hand pedal. Yeah. Mojo Hand fuzz. And, uh, and John Cusack owns uh, yeah. Mojo Hand now. Um, and uh, and somebody said, um, uh, you know, oh, it wasn't really that hard for them to change their name. Um, but uh, from what I've understood, that basically Jackson Audio didn't have any of those in production. So they were able to recall them all. Or they they didn't. It's not that they weren't selling any of them yet. So it's not even the same thing. Whereas like there's presumably hundreds of revival drives right. out there already. Well, yeah. Origin is like oh we've already had this in production. We already got trademark cleared in all these other markets, yeah. and we've just we just keep checking on the U.S. Like is this still active? It looks like it's inactive. Let's check it out. You yeah. know, let's try again. You know, they're waiting for it to be inactive so that they can claim it. Let's move on. I can't believe we've talked about. Th- yeah, I can. I, I, I might cut parts out of this because we got <laughs> we got repetitive for a bit. Like yeah, it does. You don't need to talk about this for half an hour. That means I'm gonna have to watch this whole thing again and figure out where all the timestamps are. Oh my right. gosh, I'm sorry. I'll probably just uh, leave it all. Who cares? Right. Who that's cares? Right. The people who watch and listen to the podcast watch and listen to the whole thing every week, no matter what we talk about. So I, I'm not gonna cut anything out. Yeah. <laughs> People are just people just watch this for the for the premiere chat. Oh my gosh, that's probably halfway uh, true. This uh, this first topic or this first ad is sent by Daniel Police. He says a friend of mine is looking for uh, looking to transport his guitars overseas. Anyone with advice or tips? My old guitars. If anyone has uh, any tips on transporting them, I keep wanting to read transporting as train spotting them overseas. <laughs> Uh, which is a different thing and involves a lot of uh, heroin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it would freak me out if I saw one of these crawling across the ceiling, Steve. Ooh. <laughs> that was not the scene I wanted to hear about. Again. Right, right. Um, <laughs> I think this is an interesting question. It sounds like his friend is anxious about traveling on planes with his yeah, guitars. Yeah. I would say... I would feel much more secure bringing the guitars onto the plane with me. The, the, the times when things go wrong is when you ship them or yeah. when you allow the airplane staff to put them underneath the plane. Like that's yeah. when things go wrong. If you're the person holding the guitar, transporting it onto the plane, putting it in the overhead, that is the safest the guitar can be. I would. Okay. Yeah. So the two guitars we're looking at here, one is a Roland G 707. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, I think that's the one with like a built-in synthesizer or something. Yeah, I something forget. like that. Um, and the other one is some kind of Parker. Yeah. And so my thought is, get back that G707, carry that on board. Like you said, dude, just ship that Parker. Those things it weighs are nothing. flipping indestructible. It weighs like an ounce, maybe two ounces. Yeah. Uh, okay, maybe like 40 but like, ounces. My, my thing is, you're you're supposed to be allowed to bring a musical instrument on the plane yeah. with you. It's supposed to be airline policy, at least in the States. Now he wants to travel international, so coming back it might not be the same. But you get on the plane in the US, they are supposed to allow you to bring it on. Like it's it's the yeah. rules. If it might be limited to one instrument per person. Mm-hmm. If you're traveling with someone, like, hey, take this guitar with you as we travel. Mm-hmm. Like it's that simple. Like I I've gone on these big like travel shoots with our buddy Adam that I do uh, video work with. Right. And honestly, 
I think the the biggest reason I've gone on these travel shoots is because he needed an like an extra ticketed person to carry more oh crap on the plane. He's <laughs> like, I don't want to check this stuff. This is my livelihood. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to buy you a plane ticket so that to make sure that we can all we can get it all and carry on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you're traveling with anyone, just carry on both guitars. You will be the one to put it in the overhead. It will fit. I've I've flown with guitars in big bulky cases twice now in the States. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's I've been able to bring them on the plane both times and it worked out fine both times. The thing that sucks is carrying a hard case through the airport. <laughs> Right. <laughs> With a freaking super heavy guitar in it. And it's like, oh man, I've got a two hour layover and I have to babysit this case oh, now. <laughs> but I think your guitar is going to be fine. As long as you have an eye on it, you're the one moving around. It's going to be fine. Thumbs up. Just do it. Just fly with your just fly, fly with your guitars. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I mean, this is know. a Parker Fly, right? I don't know if it's Parker Fly model, but come on, Parker has a Fly model. Is it, it wants to fly? Or, I mean, pretty much they have the Parker Fly shape, and they have the Parker was it P P forty four shape or P thirty eight or whatever. They're, it's not called a Parker boat. It's a Parker Fly. It wants yeah. to fly. It's not called, called the Parker Sail or the Parker Drive. It's the Fly. Yeah, it just wants to be on a plane. <laughs> And it just wants to uh, have you do those Sugar Ray licks. That's it. That's Why it. are you bringing up Sugar Sugar Ray? Because it's a Parker Fly. Oh, yeah. now I get it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's it. I, I just want to fly. Wicker, 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 wicker. Parker, 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 Parker. Parker. <laughs> so stupid <laughs> what's new steve um the what's new is you're skipping the chase plus audio spot oh let's do this a chase plus audio spot. brought to you by chase plus audio they make pedals more creative than you are yeah you got any in arms reach uh yeah, i was messing around with the warped vinyl on my own time a while back and i need to spend some more time with it i was like man i almost never play with that pedal let me grab it that's the uh chorus yeah, I did my like a chorus video a week or two back. Oh, okay. And I was thinking about you doing all my courses, and then mm-hmm. I just ended up doing all the Fortiboard courses. Spending time with this, like, man, this is such a fun pedal. Like, I don't use chorus a lot, but I need to like spend more time with this pedal and incorporate it in my playing more often because it can do a lot of fun, wild stuff. Just like any Chase Plus pedal, it can do things that no other pedal in its genre can do so yeah chase bliss audio thanks for sponsoring the show once again for pedals more creative than you are and probably better looking chase bliss audio so what's new steve um what's new is well we had this conversation earlier but you don't have anything new uh no i'll i'll come up so i i i had this that's why i don't have a what's new anymore so I've been having this idea in my head for a while that I want to get like a high end, mid end. I wouldn't say high end, like a mid tier. Maybe some people would think it's high end bass preamp. Oh, okay. And so my thought is, I we use a Sans amp, but the the Sans amp parametric or para drive, I think it's called para di. So it's like can do guitar or bass or acoustic guitar, uh, is what we have at church. And I was thinking like, well, maybe I should get a dark glass. Because that's the hot, sexy, you know, right. bass preamp right now. Or, you know, maybe I could go a little old tech and get the, the Aguilar Tone Hammer uh, or 
as our Jake Ross and Joe Branton would say, the Aguila, Aguilar. Aguilar? Aguilar. Aguilar. It does feel nice in the mouth to say um, Aguilar. Anyway, uh, so, you know, you, you have these different dedicated uh, bass preamp pedals that are, like, cool and whatever. Uh, but then I started thinking, like, is that really what I want, or do I just really need to, like, get an HX stomp? Mm. Um, and I'm, I've been weighing the pros and cons. I don't know if any of these preamps have, like, for example, have a headphone out. They don't have a headphone out that's going to be kind of like limiting my usage at home. You know, uh, I guess unless I want to like plug it into the computer and listen to it on computer headphones, but that's extra steps, you know? Right. Um, so I started thinking about like uh, HX Stomp versus like a Tone Hammer or like an Alpha Omega DI or, you know, the Dark Glass. Like I think it's the B7K. There's these, they have all these different models. Um, so I w- kind of want to put it out to the uh, listeners who have used this stuff. And and I kind of, I guess, like, some, one of my thoughts is, like, the dark glass or whatever preamp would be kind of limited to only being a bass preamp. I, I mean, I guess you could run guitar through it, but uh, that's kind of, I would think of it as primarily a bass tool, whereas, like, the HX Stomp, I would use primarily as a bass tool. But it could be other you, things, you know, too. We know that the HX Stomp is a great also a great tool for guitar. So uh, I've been weighing those options back and forth. Um, and that's kind of, I guess it's uh, kind of a what's new. Do you want to, st- do you want to borrow my uh, pod go and yeah. try that out? Yeah. Okay. I have read, we already discussed this, yeah, but I, I pitched uh, it like, Hey, th- you, here's an idea, Steve. You want to borrow I, my I pod go and heard, you can try it out. I have heard that the pod go kind of sucks compared to the HX stomp. Well, it's, it's, it's more limited. I heard, like, the, I heard the AD converters aren't as good, and I heard you can't change effect order. Uh, yeah, it's more locked into effect yeah. order, and you, like, the the HX Stomp is more like a sandbox. Right. Where, like, you can experiment with signal path and stuff like that, uh, where the Podgo is, is much more like, here's your signal, change out the elements. But yeah. I think if you spent some time with the Podgo using the bass amps and the cabs and stuff in it, uh, you would be able to figure out if you do want an HX stomp. And, and that's kind of my thought as well, is if I if I can get comfortable with the flow path and kind of the um, the toolboxes and right. whatever. What's the, what do they call it? The, like the interface. Sure. Um, then I can kind of make a better decision there. And, and on, you know... Hold- I mean, it's the same sounds. It's the same like amp and cab patches. Right. So you'll be able to figure out like, oh, do I like the sound of this? Do I want more functionality? Yeah, so, and so, supposedly yeah. the base, uh, the base preset that Brian Gower from the Tone Jerks made is really good. I hear. Got to try that thing out. Really dirty, but I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> really dirty, just like the Tone Jerks. <laughs> Super dirty boys over there. You got anything new, man? I do. You know that because I already told you. Yeah. <sighs> I got a uh, Father's Day gift. Uh, we recorded this before Father's Day, <laughs> but it's publishing after. My wife asked if she could give it to me before Father's Day, and I said yes. I forget what these are called, but it's this like metal drum thing, like a tongue groove jo- drum or something, yeah, like, something that. like that. Uh, it's really fun. I've been having a lot of fun playing it with the kids. Why does that one sound? That one over there sounds 
It's because it's still got the plastic sticker on it. Oh, I think it's also like a really high note. So it is. Kinda... Here. There it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I've been having a bunch of fun with it. It's interesting because I've been trying to think in musical theory a little mm. bit more. And it's laid out uh, in all the major scale. Yeah. And it's numbered. Mm -hmm. So it is like, oh, here's your first. It's a C. It starts mm -hmm. with a C. And then it goes, you know, it's all numbered. So there's your second, your third, your fifth, and so on and so on. Yeah. And it That's makes it. That's numbers. Your one, one, two, three, yeah. five. But it's like, you know, I I don't know very much in music theory, but I do know that like a one and a three and a five is just a major chord, right? Yeah. And you can move that around so I can do a two, four, six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've been having a good time, like conceptually messing around oh, with okay. it, and it's also been a lot of fun with the kids to just kind of sit and play around with it. And yeah, make kids love those things. Kind of really mellow, chill music. <laughs> well, it's really mellow and chill until your kid decides at eleven o'clock at night that they're gonna play it. <laughs> also, kind of looks like a big fun turtle. Yeah, they're cool because you can just uh, put them on like a shelf and they hang out and like. Put the sticks nearby, and yeah, your kids will just kind of... Uh, they kind of look like a giant just roll by and essential like, oil diffuser. They kind of, they really do. <laughs> it also kind of looks like... Do, does yours have a hole in the bottom? Yeah, so you take this plug out. Yeah, you can put a little LED could, in there. You could put your weed in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's next, hold on, Steve? Hold on, hold on. Could you uh, could you fit a small gun in there? Oh yeah, probably. Like so, you could defend yourself from an intruder. Hold on, let me. Oh, just know, get... It might actually be tough to get the handle me, in there. Let me just uh, let me just uh, let me just grab my drum, man. Don't don't rob me yet. Let me let me get the money out of the drum. <laughs> it, it could be a really fun uh, piggy bank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? If you if you. Put cut a little slot right here. You could put quarters in it, and it would be a really fun piggy bank. Yeah, be and then you could be, be like a big drum, shaker yeah, and a shaker. Be a big shaker. But I'm stoked on it. And it's, I mean, cheat code. If my wife is hearing this in any way possible, or anyone else that cares about me, cheat code for buying me gifts. You buy me something that's like a musical instrument. I'm probably gonna love it, no matter if I play that instrument or not. You know, it's easy. <laughs> Like my, my mom bought me a ukulele mm -hmm. one year, like 15 years ago. And it's probably the best gift she ever gave me that I besides absolutely yeah. still use. Does that include life? Yeah, probably. <laughs> what do you think I want to do more live or play ukulele? <laughs> <laughs> that got dark. <laughs> That's some good old zoomer humor right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You want to hit this next topic? I didn't ask to Just be born. Kidding. Just kidding. This next thing is an ad. This is the DePinto Orbital. Philip Roof posted about these. Paul Weller posted about these. Yeah. A this few people have been uh, have been messaging me about them. Like, hey, you're going to get one? you going to get one? They are a budget version of a DePinto. They're like $3.99 new. Yeah. They do look very fun. And they've got really fun glittery colors. Mm -hmm. And they have the four like squared off Vox Phantom style pickups mm -hmm. and the four buttons to select the pickups and an offset tremolo and a, and like a tunomatic bridge. They're very, very similar to Depento's famous galaxy model. Yeah. But I've honestly kind of been 
apprehensive about them. Like you'd think it'd be a no brainer for me. Budget guitar. Yeah. In the style of a modern classic surf guitar. But I kind of look at them and I just think $399 is almost halfway to just getting a proper Galaxy. And so I don't know. I think there's people out there that are going to buy these and are going to love them. I think they're going to be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're probably going to play for their price point. They're probably going to play similar to like a Squire or any import $399 right. guitar. But this is like the the personal journey I'm going through in my mind. Like, do, and this is probably what most people go through when they're like looking at Squires or Epiphones. <laughs> like, do I get the $400 version or do I get the $900 version? You know? And I'd, well, lo- I'd love to have a Galaxy someday, but then like my struggle is, do I do it this way? I would much rather, I think I'd much rather get a real Galaxy. Yeah, I, I was going to say, um, I think the tough thing is uh, DePinto. Let's look up, not Deonto, not DePibto. DePinto is a brand that's been around. I ended up searching for DePintal. Since I was a teenager, oh, basically. Oh, yeah, they, they've been around for a while. Yeah. So I would say, you know, part of this is a Galaxy 4, like a proper Galaxy 4. This is the low straight jackets version, is uh, 1300 well, they, they the Galaxy Two. They have here's the thing. They have the he has the Safari line, which is like eight ninety nine, I think. Okay, so maybe this is one of those because which this is like seven hundred. Yeah, the Safari line is like the the made in Mexico style gotcha. version of the brand, where like the the higher end stuff is. I don't know if he's having a made in America. Mm-hmm. I know he does a lot of finishing and setup in person before they're shipped out with the safaris and with the other ones. I don't, I don't remember the specifics of the, like the build origin of the higher end models. Um, for a while he was doing stuff made in Korea, but then he moved stuff back to the States. So it, it, it could be all over the map. Yeah. There's some really subtle differences in design. Well, that's another thing is, uh, what are these new ones called? The, um, uh, orbital, the orbital, it has the layout of the Galaxy with the four pickups and the four switches, but it's not the same body shape. And I think that is a big thing for me. I think if it was the same exact body shape, then maybe I'd be more into it. Like it's it's leaning into a fatter, more like like roundish take on like a scaled up Mustang almost, where the mm-hmm. the Galaxy is like a thinned out version of a Jaguar. Right. Yeah. There's, there's just some, well, and the other thing is, and this is, you know, I guess part selection and whatever, uh, the, the real DePintos, uh, have fancy, fancier knobs. Like they're like a witch hat style. Right. And that switch on the, on the full galaxies. Yeah. The galaxy switch is a rocker, a wild rocker switch versus this. Here's one that did not or that sold on reverb for 750 for a galaxy. So yeah. Here's a galaxy four in a burst for 875. Every now and someone asked me if when I'm gonna buy a galaxy, and the answer is has never been never. <laughs> it's like I don't know when I'm gonna buy one, but yeah. it is out there like someday I probably will. <laughs> Holy hell. Somebody sold a pink 
Sparkle Galaxy 4 for $400 Damn. on Reverb. I'm trying to figure out. <sighs> maybe I need to keep an eye on the used market for... It does look like the this one, and maybe this was going back to what you're saying, like, I heard, I read somewhere that the difference is that all of these guitars are being made in the same place. And the difference is that the orbitals show up or the orbitals. I don't even know if they show up. They might just be getting drop shipped. Right. Whereas like the, like the thousand dollar one is showing up and getting like a full work over. Maybe, right, right. maybe the, I, you know, I, I don't. And again, I don't really know a ton about Depinto. No, I think that's been his thing is like even when he has them made overseas, whether it be Korea or wherever, like normally he does a full setup. Yeah. And and work over on the guitars. Um, yeah, I, I read and I don't know if it was if it was confirmed anywhere. No, in, but in, I read somewhere in that his these own, ones aren't. In his own posts, he made it sound like he's not going to even if he has them in shop, like he's not doing a full setup on them. Like, right. And I get it at three ninety nine. Like, I'm sure there's not a lot of profit margin there for him. Sure. So he can't, you know, dedicate, you know, a couple hours to making sure that they play the same as the other guitars. Like, they're meant to be a budget, like, yeah, option. It's cool that he's doing it. It's cool that uh, someone who is is really is a small builder that has existed in a very specific niche. Or Nietzsche. Yeah, he straight up says in here like... Can't have um, a budget model like this. He says, still churning out Galaxy Savaris too. Worth the wait because this factory really nails the quality. And after my handmade hand-wired guard is added, my fret level... So it sounds like maybe they do all the, the finish work overseas and then he right. gets hand-wired electronics when he gets here. So maybe the orbitals aren't. Uh, he says the orbitals are... The factory is a little more intermediate. Yeah, he says that they're more like old harmony or silver tones, which is fine because sometimes all you want to do is windmills and big muff power chords. <laughs> That's what you need the orbital for. Right. And some of these orbitals, like the ones, all the ones that you, most of the ones you screen grabbed are, they definitely look. Oh, they look super fun. Uh, fun, but they look cheaper. I feel like this one, which is in one of the shots, but I don't think you have like a standalone shot of it. That one is the one. That's the one you like. That's that one. That three cool. humbucker one. It's a, the three humbucker, pink with white. I like the the dudes. The green snot sparkle. One. Yeah, <laughs> because he calls, of course he calls I do. Them Squire galaxies not made to rival a galaxy. He says he does a quick setup, but it's, you know, right. It sounds like the the uh, the Safari models or the higher models. Uh, get a lot more attention. Sure. I don't know. I, I was. I just wanted to talk about my own personal journey looking at these and trying to consider them. You know, for my own purchases. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right. You yeah. want to do the next sponsor? Yeah. This uh, next sponsor spot is for Bigger Pedal. Sponsor of the show. They make this pedal, the Loaf. You want to see something, Steve? Show me something. You're going to show me something? What are you going to show I'm going to pull right? it up on my messenger here from Grant Wilson himself. What? Look at that, Steve. Ooh. I'll flash it up here as a tease. You can look at it yourself for a That's few seconds. That's actually bigger than I thought it would be. <laughs> it's a little bigger than you thought, isn't it, That's Steve? It's a, a bit bigger than there I it thought. Is. Now you don't get to see. There it is again. There's something coming, guys. Something based on a very stupid and dumb idea that I've talked about before on the show. 
And Grant has been working on it behind the scenes for a while. And I have um, no idea how, he's, how many he's planning to make. It seems like a lot of effort, but Big Ear is going to do a thing that I've joked about. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, there's the Albi. There's also the Albi. The Albi's really cool, curated, multi-effect. You want you? Everyone needs to own one of these. Maybe two. Eh. Father's Day just passed. I mean, there. But ha- if you there bought, are other color options besides this color, so it's time to maybe start. You do need more than one. It's time to start thinking about other days that you could give your father an Albi. You Fourth know, of July. Why not celebrate yeah. the country's independence by giving yep. your father an Albi on the recording calendar? Tomorrow's Juneteenth. You probably should have bought somebody Labor Day. Give your mom and your dad an Albi for Labor Day. What if Thanksgiving? Only, what if only one of them is a laborer? Give your entire family Albies. They'll be so thankful. Halloween. Give put Albies in kids' bags. Be yeah, like, you want candy? Screw that. I got Albi. Yeah, the kids are going to be running around. They're giving away Albies at that house. You're going to be legendary. Legendary. <laughs> I mean, Christmas is a no-brainer. Yeah. 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 Give an Albie to Santa. <laughs> Don't leave out cookies. Leave out an Albie for Santa. New Year, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. No better way to ring in a new year with an Albie. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be our pitch for a big year from now on. Just covering holidays. <laughs> it is the calendar girl. Of pedals. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> That's so stupid. This uh, this next topic is an album review. I feel like we should do this and then get out. <laughs> We've gone long with that. All right. Then let's do some Talking housekeeping about first. Origin. Let's do some housekeeping uh, first. This uh, housekeeping is where we thank the people who help make this show possible. Our Patreon supporters uh, over on patreon.com slash 60 cycle humcasts where for as little as a dollar a month. You can uh, give us a dollar a month. That's true. Uh, so uh, this month we would like, or this week we'd like to thank Bert Whitehead, who is supporting us at the one dollar level. Uh, thanks, Bert. Um, That's oh, a cool name, Bert. Ryan finally ordered some picks, so I have one less excuse for not getting everybody's stuff shipped out. Actually, I have a really good excuse. This weekend is Father's Day, and I won't be home all weekend, so. That's my excuse. Soon, though, Steve is going to ship out 100 packages all at the same it's, time. It's literally, I think, up to like 30 packages. It, the it's, shipping is going to bankrupt I, us. I get anxiety thinking about it. <laughs> There's just a pile of packages and merch sitting oh in the middle gosh. of Steve's house. His family's like, Daddy, when will you move all of this? When I finally feel like it, that's when. The pile just keeps getting bigger. <laughs> we're going to stop the podcast and Steve's going to be like, this is the day. Now I'm going to ship all this stuff yeah, out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the day that we stop doing this. Um, so yeah, we got new picks. Some of y'all will get the older picks. Some of y'all will get these pink guys. Yep. I got pink. I got white. I got chocolate. I got Neapolitan picks guys. What? Pink, white. It's strawberry, vanilla, and chocolate. Steve Neapolitan this is, picks. This is black, dude. This isn't chocolate. That's chocolate. It's black licorice. <laughs> The best kind of Neapolitan. All right, let's do this album <laughs> review. Um, the, we are reviewing. Oh man, uh, Frog, Frog, Frog Stomp. Stomp by Silverchair. I believe Levi Main suggested this. Is that correct? I think so. It was from the Inner Circle uh, suggestion thread. Um, I I was only familiar with the radio hits from uh from silver chair 
Were you familiar with any of this? I album? only know two Silverchair songs. Mm-hmm. One is from this album, the song Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The other one is Anthem for the Year 2000. I don't really know how it goes, except it go. I know there's the part that's like, this is the anthem for the year 2000. <laughs> and I think that's all I know from them, but I might know more. I think I've heard a bunch of these songs before. But I always assumed they were other bands. Like I thought, like there was one song I was like, oh, I always thought this was a Pearl Jam song. Yeah. I was like, oh, I always thought oh my this gosh. was a yes. Soundgarden song. So, so uh, yeah, my my note going in was I've listened through Neon Ballroom a couple times. But my wife owned a copy of Neon Ballroom. So and I said, I haven't listened to anything else from them intentionally. Um, so the second song, which was Tomorrow, I said, oh. I think I've heard this song and legit had no idea who it was by like, I really just thought this was any of the other grunge bands except Silverchair. I wish I was making this up. Like the, the opening track, I was like, is this Pearl Jam? Right. This is Pearl Jam. And then like tomorrow, tomorrow does have this like J- Pearl Jam, Jeremy kind of a thing going on, but also kind of a, a little bit of a just Every no, every single track was like this is a mix of different parts of Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and some Nirvana mixed in. I thought there was like one or two tracks that felt like they had maybe a smidge of Alice in Chains. Yeah, I could see that too. But like, yeah, you take like the you take the biggest names in grunge, yeah, and you compress it and condense it and concentrate it. And it becomes a silver chair album. Like I was, I was honestly shocked by yeah. just it. Like, like if you wanted to show someone grunge, what grunge was, you like really I'd almost just play this album. I'd almost say, don't go to the big names. Just go to this album yeah. and be like, this album is grunge. Yeah. Like you will get an idea of what four or five different bands sounded like. Right. From listening to this one album, which makes it kind of brilliant in a way. <laughs> I will. So I really wanted to get your take on this album as a whole, because one of the things I realized while listening to this album is that I didn't want to be listening to this album. Um, I've just kind of been really swamped at work, honestly. And so like listening to music, uh, I, I don't want to listen to anything that I feel like is a job. And sometimes, that, well, because I'm trying to take notes, like the album review is a little bit of a job. Um, and I was just like, I don't want to listen to this. I really don't want to listen to anything. I really just need to work. Right. And it's been like this because we didn't record last week. So I've actually had two weeks to listen to this album and I barely got through it. <laughs> so you had extra time um, to think about avoiding it. But I did want to get like your take on it and whether, know what, find out whether or not you liked it because I, I, felt like the other side of this is like I maybe I just don't really want to listen to grunge bands like maybe that's just not for me well here's here's my take I think the album is good for a grunge album mm-hmm. I think the album is good and I think part of the thing that I that I've been mentioning that it sounds just like an amalgam of all these grunge bands I think part of what makes it good is that it every single track is an amalgam of top tracks right from big artists like from from the major artists of the Mm -hmm. scene so you're not left with an album that has a bunch of like oh let's try something different tracks it is straight grunge all the way through where if you go listen to 
you know, like Super Unknown or, you know, like a Soundgarden not, or like a, a Pearl Jam album or something yeah. like that. There's going to be tracks that wander into different territory and aren't the straight radio grunge that you're used to. This Silver Chair album is straight radio grunge all the way through. I, I will say, and I, and I guess now that I think about it, think about other bands, because I couldn't think of any of that at the time. Uh, the one, the most, the song I liked the most on the album, the song I liked the most was the last one because it meant the album oh was gosh, over. Shut up. No, um, what, but it was the last song. Uh, and I felt like it was the most pop punk song, but now I'm realizing it's really just, is it the toadies I'm thinking of? Oh, sure. Probably. Or no, who is it? Maybe it's not the toadies. Who is it that does plowed? Oh, um, shoot. Yeah. Anyway, that's the song that I, I was thinking of actually. When I heard the song, was it hum? No, no, it's definitely not hum. Are you are you looking it up? I was going to look it up. You look it up. But what I was what I was leading to with my my previous thought, sponge, sponge. Um, also nineteen ninety four. In a way, it could be a more taxing, exhausting album to listen to because it doesn't have those breaks where you get a different right. kind of song. It is right. grunge, like a specific kind of grunge, all the way through. And so you don't get this album journey of like, yeah. here's here's the big epic song, here's a ballad, here's something more emotional and like experimental, and then back into like a radio hit. Like you don't get mm-hmm, a journey mm-hmm. like that. It is like, it's kind of homogenous. Right. And, and so that kind of got me thinking about uh, other kind of albums uh in that time and to that point, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, Bush's Bush's 16 stone came out the same year and, you know, you're going to, you're going to get your big epics come down and whatever, and your machine heads, but you're also going to get a little glycerin. Right. Right. Like you got some, some variety. variety, Yeah. Um, and I think there is variety on, on toad stomp or frog stomp toad touch. (laughs) <laughs> Toad step. Um, <laughs> I think there is some variety, but it's more like each song has a similar kind of dynamic range yeah, and yeah. a thing is trying to accomplish and being like a radio style grunge hit. Uh, but you don't get the variation in song style. Right. What what you get a variation is, oh, this song leans heavier into Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. or this mm-hmm. song leans heavier into Soundgarden, this song leans heavier into Nirvana, and so on and so on. There was one song that I, I don't remember which track it was. It was somewhere, I want to say, maybe like track eight or nine. Did I, did I make a note? Uh, oh, track three. I said, I don't mind this song, I guess. I think this genre just isn't for me. Also, this track is two songs. The second song is better than the first one, and it's shorter. It was like a seven-minute long track, and it was like five minutes of one like droney, the first song, noisy thing. No, it was the third song. Oh, the third the song. Thir- the first song of the third song. Then the second one was like a little more in the you know metal, I guess. You know the sure. the fast sound y stuff. Um, did you read about the back? Do you know anything about Silverchair? I looked up a little bit, and it sounded like they were very young Australian. Yeah, dudes. yeah. So I felt bad because I looked it up halfway through, and I said, um, "For one of the actually, literally track five. So halfway through, I said, "This feels like something I've heard." 
Is this be- just because it's generic? Why is all I'm doing in this review basically dumping on this band? And then I go, I was thinking, I'm like, these guys are 15. When I was 15, all I could do is play, <laughs> is play cowboy chords and video games. Now, could you imagine making any of those songs when you're 15? No. Oh, my God. And, like, I made a note, like, halfway through the album. It's like, no one talks about... Like, when you think of grunge, no one talks about how epic the vocals were. Right. Like, there was a lot of epic vocal stuff going on in grunge, not in the same way of, like, the big, like, falsetto, epic-style stuff that you get from hair metal and, and things like that, but just, like, the raw kind of, like, emotional energy that you get out of grunge vocals is very different from what I think a lot of grunge bands thought that they were doing. I think a lot of them thought of themselves as either metal bands or punk bands or something in between. Yeah. yeah. But the grunge vocal style, I don't think gets enough attention. Like it's really big. Yeah. And the vocals on this album, I I feel like this vocalist, I don't know what his name is. uh, Actually, because I was trying to think I, when I was listening, I just kept hearing, and maybe it was more because of the music, uh-huh. Eddie Vedder. Oh, totally. You know, the Pearl Jam thing. But I actually think from a vocal note range where his voice sits, he's actually maybe a little closer to Scott Weiland. Both of which are, you know, I don't think he's as mush mouth as Eddie, Eddie Vedder is. You know what I think it is? I think it's the vocal tonality of Eddie Vedder with the the song approach of Mm. Chris Cornell. Like he's singing like Chris Cornell, but with the voice of Eddie Vedder. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like the way he hits notes and like, and, and travels through notes, like is very Chris Cornell. And like we said, this guy was like 15. Yeah. I didn't have a voice like that when I was 15. I don't have a voice like that now. I was going to say, I'll never have a voice like that. It was honestly incredible. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's easy to be like, oh man, this is such a product of its time. Like, oh, it's just, it feels like, like cover band gone and made their own right. album sort of thing. But it's, it's, it is frankly impressive. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, you think about like how many bands when you were like 16 or 17, well, maybe not for you, but for me, like how many bands I listened to when I was like 16 or 17, um, you know, pop punk bands where people were like, oh, that that band is just discount, you know, whatever, right. whatever other, you know, that band is just discount the Vandals or discount this band or that band. And uh, at the time I was like, no, this band's the best. You know, the, the, the that no effect sucks. And then coming back to it as an adult, I'm like, no, no, these guys were definitely uh, right. just kind of a cover band. Yeah, yeah. Like in terms of where they were going. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It just is. It's just what it is. It's that thing. I I think that direction sometimes in terms of Christian ska. Oh, my gosh. Like if, in the 90s, if you were a youth group kid and you listened to ska, you were either on Team Supertones or you were on Team Five Iron Frenzy. Mm-hmm. I picked the wrong side. <laughs> I was a super dense kid. I should have been a five iron frenzy kid. Could be worse. You could have been uh, team insiders or, or team or the W's. The W's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell us about the song and get us out of your uh, Yeah. The song was sent by somebody. The song was sent by Victor Trito. No relation to Rick Beato. It's Beato. <laughs> I know. 
Uh, I recorded this a bunch of months ago. It has techno. It has surf. It has weird things with harmonics. I unoriginally called the songs Sudores, Surf, Electronica, Emas. And my band is the Mega Mayonnaiser, which is just me, but I'm trying to change that. I liked every word you just said, Steve. <laughs> Mega Mayonnaiser. <laughs> uh, and he sent us a link to a YouTube video. This is going to be fun. We get to watch. Keys. Just sequence that little riff there. Thank you. 
it was neat to watch someone just kind of like experiment yeah and mess around with their rig i like that yeah that was fun i also remind i feel like if the park gallery was still running i mean that guy would fit right in yeah totally uh, yeah, you guys, you don't have to send us like full songs. Like if you record yourself doing a little jam, we'll take it. That was fun. Yeah. And send us like a your YouTube video and we'll watch it off of oh, YouTube. Yeah. All right. Bye everyone. See ya. Stay grounded.